God, thank you so much for this opportunity we have to kind of worship you. And it's not, it's not often in life we find places where we intentionally kind of try to tear down all the distractions and the barriers and uh, seek you and, and listen for you. And here we are in this space doing crazy things like singing together and listening to a message about your word. I pray that you kind of like just speak and move in this place and have us get what you want us to get this morning and nothing more and nothing less and uh, keep me out of the way. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're coming to a close in our series uh, called same New Year, Same You. I hope this has been a, an, a good series for you and that you've gotten something out of it. I know in preparation I have been, uh, God's been doing a whole lot inside me as it comes to these kind of subjects that we've been talking about. And it's kind of like a, a, a stance that says, okay, what if it's not like the key to a better life is not new year, new me? What if I'm not the answer to making my life better? I've tried, like, I've tried hard and I keep on finding out that I'm just disappointing myself over and over and over again. My New Year's resolutions blew up months ago, right? Like I, a better me, a more disciplined me, a smarter me, a Botoxed up me, I don't do that. I don't know what, where that came from. It's not the answer to like a, a better year. It's, it's not. What we've kind of been looking at is, okay, so what if... The key to experience what God has for us this year is not a different me. What if it's the same me, just more of him, uh, embracing more of what he's given us, pushing deeper into his grace for us? And these last two weeks, we've looked at a ton of subjects. You can go back and, and check those out on your own. But, but these last two weeks are um, kind of like going to wrap it up. And today, what I want to talk to you about, the title of today's message is called Being Content. It's different than finding contentment. Finding contentment is what we all try to do even when we don't really know we're trying to do it. And it's, it's broken and it doesn't work. It's different than just learning what it means to be content. And then next week we're gonna talk about embracing our purpose and that's gonna wrap up the series. By the way, I'm so thankful for Don preaching last week. He crushed it and uh, I'm, I'm pumped that he is able to do that for me. It's so incredible. Thank you for that. Um, okay, being content. Being content. You ever know how words can like really, you just mess with words a little bit and it can cause like an actual reaction. Like sometimes words are interesting, they're powerful, they're meaningful. Like you put the words hot and pocket together and boom, you have this amazing, incredible, wonderful, inspirational, microwavable meal that you 100% for sure will be paying for in half an hour. You know, like words are powerful things and sometimes we say a word and it's not even the word we say, it's how we say it or it's the tone or the context of us saying it. It causes all kinds of issues because words are just really, like here's, here's an example. Has anyone ever said to you, just relax? Has anybody ever said that to you? Like you're getting a little amped up, a little excited, a little ready to go, a little stressed out, a little crazy, a little... You know, you're talking like a mile a minute because that she did that and here's the tea and all that other nonsense and then somebody's like, just relax. <laughs> or even if they say it the right way, like nicer, like 
just relax. It never works. It's one of those things that absolutely, when has it ever worked to tell somebody getting amped up to just relax? It just makes me crazy. Like it hit, hit whole new levels of crazy if I'm not relaxed and you tell me just relax. And one of, one of the other things that I found is like be content. Have you, I've tried saying that to my kids. It doesn't do a thing. All it does is like start some kind of like crazy fight in the car and then next thing you know somebody, names not to be mentioned, is like, I'm gonna pull this car right over and then somebody else is like, you sound just like your dad and then somebody else is like, it doesn't do any good. Be content. It's like scolding somebody. Like be content. Those two words never work together like just relax and be content. And I found like this incredible article as I was researching about contentment I'm gonna sum it up for you. It was a, a, a beautifully written, well-designed, fancy graphic blog post on the internet. Don't believe everything you hear or read on the internet, by the way. And to sum up this article, here, here it was. Be content, just relax. <laughs> like, this just makes me angry. It didn't work. It doesn't work. Contentment is an important part of our experience and the way God has designed us as humans. And I wanna talk about contentment. I just want you to know, like, I'm not saying, like, be content. But being content is something that we can learn. It's something that we grow into in our experience. And I don't know how to grow into being a content person without having a good plan to follow to find contentment. And the best plan and maybe the only plan to experience real contentment is by following this Jesus that we're all gathered here to kind of like worship and celebrate and talk about. Being content. Now when I talk about contentment, there's two kinds of groups of people. I have spent time in both of these camps so please, this is not a judgment on anybody. This is more of a confession myself. It's kind of two groups of people when you talk about contentment. Both get it kind of wrong. The first group of people when I talk about contentment, I just want to talk about briefly, and these are people that are like usually highly motivated people. They want to crush, you know. They want to do it all and, and get to the next level and level up and they use hashtags that I've used. You could go search them on social media like hashtag hustle or hashtag rise and grind, you know, watch inspirational videos to get us all pumped up and I've done it, I've done it all. And, and that group of people usually is afraid of contentment. I've spent a significant amount of my life being afraid of being content you might not like those words together, especially if you're one of those people hashtagging it up. I, I don't like those words together either. And somehow I've equated in my mind when I've been in those spaces in my life that contentment is settling for less. So before we start talking about contentment, I just have to let you know that that's not what, can, that's not a good, def, that's not even the right definition of contentment. Contentment does not mean, oh, I'll just settle for the dude with the weird mustache <laughs> who's clearly not compatible with me <laughs> because I'm tired and I give up on online dating. That's not like, contentment is not settling for less. 
Like, that's not scriptural. That's not what God's message for you is. Now, his idea of more is different than our idea of more. But God wants you to experience more of him, more joy, more peace, more fruit of the spirit type, good, real, deep, meaningful stuff. He wants you, he's calling you to more, to more meaning, more purpose, more value. It's kind of the whole deal. More understanding of who you are and who he designed you to be. More life, more life after death. What God is like dishing out, he's serving it up. He's like right here, like what I got is what you need. It's what you've been looking for. I got more. I got more. So for the first crowd, like let's just like fizzle that out of our brain. Contentment is not settling for less than. Here's the main group I want to address today, and I've spent time in this camp too. And the second group is kind of like not afraid of contentment. They're just searching like crazy people chasing after the wind for contentment, even when I don't realize that that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Chasing after the wind is an exhausting thing, and that's how we kind of like approach contentment. I I just need to find it. But contentment is not a thing that you find, even though we always treat contentment as if it's a math equation. I got some teachers in all of our locations, and I love our teachers, and I want you to know that I, I, I'm, I was a huge disappointment when it came to math and most other subjects, but this was about math. Most of us treat contentment like it's a math equation, and I want you to like straight up Contentment is not, anybody hate math in the house? Math, can I, somebody said amen. We hardly ever hear that around here. Contentment is not, it's not math, but we treat it like it's math. Here's how, right? Like we go, we go, oh, Let's be pink. I don't know. Me plus equals content. Me plus, I don't know, something new. Me plus a new job and then I'll be content. Me plus a new man and then I'll be content. Me, me plus, I don't know why I did that weird thing right there. (laughs) Me plus new clout equals content. Me plus some new followers equal content. Me plus a new crowd at school equals content, right? But the problem is the math doesn't like as anybody, you know, like it doesn't add up. Like it doesn't work. It's not chalk markers. 930 ruined everything. Even my chalk markers. It does not equal contentment. It doesn't. Or we treat it like a subtraction problem. We're like, okay, it's, it's, it's me. What's the difference, right? Like the difference is the contentment. That's the key. It's me. I drew another plus. All right, let's, let's make that a me. We'll make it a multiplication. All right, me times. 
three times the money I have in the bank account right now equals contentment. Have you spent time with people who already have three times the amount of money that you have in the bank account now? Have you done that? Can I let you in? I've, I've talked with multimillionaires. I sat on a beach with one who just spilling out of their hearts how discontent they were with life, how deeply they were struggling with their own depression. Like, clearly, this does not work. Contentment is not come from you multiplying something in your life. It's not math. Sometimes we think, like, right, like, if I take my, we'll go my calendar, and I divide that, I'm good at this. By two, then I'll be content. That sounds so tempting. That's my vibe right now. Like I wish I could divide my calendar by two. I just can't keep up with everything in life. And, but, but I'm realizing like that's not the key to contentment either. Because when I didn't have three kids to chase around to sports events... I still wasn't content. When I only had one job and that was enough and I didn't do other side hustles, if I remember, if you remember what it was like before your calendar, you weren't, you weren't content. It's also not subtraction. We'll get to the good one here. Me minus <laughs> no equals contentment, me minus her, me minus him, me minus that boss, me minus that friend who's just such drama all the time, me minus that coach, me minus, I mean, I don't know who your minus is, Don't side-eye anybody right now that might be sitting close to you. That's not contentment either. Sometimes we even make things more complicated and we we look at the math and we're like, okay, I'll tell you, I don't know maybe what contentment is, but I know Frankie plus Lydia If your name is Frankie and Lydia, I apologize, and this is not some kind of subliminal message to start dating. I saw Frankie and Lydia on Instagram, and their life looked pretty amazing, and uh, those filters were like popping. There's no like even wrinkles. They look super content eating that fancy dinner and hashtagging it blessed and date night and all that other stuff. They must be content because the internet looked like it, right? And that's always the best judge. And uh, they look content, so maybe what I need to do is do what they do, like me minus him times three times my money, right? Plus my calendar divided by two. And then I'll be like them, and then I'll be content. But contentment, though we treat it like it, it's not a math 
problem. It's not the sum. It's not the dividend. It's not the difference. It's not the product. It's not a thing. Contentment is a state. It's something that you can learn. It's a state of being. We make these crazy equations, and it's something that Solomon, the wisest man to ever walked the planet, captured in this beautiful poem we call Ecclesiastes. It's a, it's a literary piece of art, and it's gifted to us in Scripture. And as he reflected on life, he was like Weezer, right? Like, if you hold my string of my sweater, like, it'll all come undone. You know that Weezer song is awesome from, like, the 90s? I don't remember it. I, I don't know if I was around. But, uh... <laughs> Um, he's pulling at the strings of all kinds of things that life in this beautiful poem writing and he's showing how like these things that he thought were so full of meaning really weren't meaningless and at the end he kind of sums it all up. It's, it's, that's another sermon for another time but one of, he's pulling at the strings of the math equation of contentment in Ecclesiastes chapter four and verse four and he says, and I saw that toil work and all achievements spring from one person's envy of another. He's like in the, in the complicated math equation. He's like, oh man, like I see what they have. And so I need to work, do whatever I have to do, toil, put in the time, hashtag hustle it up so that I can look like them. He goes on and he says, this too is meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. I love that description of what it looks like when you chase after contentment. He goes on and he says, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. The answer isn't to like give up and say, I don't gotta do anything. I'm just gonna sit on my couch watching 2017 replays of the Super Bowl until I, you know, like fade off into oblivion. That's the Eagles. Man, you guys are struggling again, but it's okay, I got you. And uh you know, like, um, I, that's, not, that's not good either. That leads to ruin if you just give up and don't do anything. And he says, better one handful with tranquility, with peace. That's what contentment is. It's the feeling of satisfaction. It's the freedom from restlessness that brings you peace. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. You can have more and you still will be searching for contentment and you will never capture it because the wind keeps slipping through your fingers. Even when you think you got it, you don't really have it. The wind will keep on going You'll always be playing catch-up. You'll always be finding broken equal signs in your life. Contentment. No wonder we're so exhausted all the time. All this chasing after the wind we do, thinking that if we subtract the right people, add the right people, multiply the right stuff, divide our lives appropriately, then we'll finally get to feel the peace and the joy and the well-being and the satisfaction that we all hope for. 
Contentment is not a thing to grasp. It's a state to be in. The Stoics got it wrong too. You see, the Stoics would look at contentment and they were like, it's, not, it's a state to be in, but you get there by being more self-sufficient. That's a broken down concept too because I don't know how good you are at being self-sufficient, but I know you're human just like me, and so you're trying to prop up a broken thing to get you something that, that a broken thing can never give you. The Stoics were right about the concept of it, but they were wrong about how you achieve it because you can become self-sufficient in every aspect of your life and still be discontent. Paul, from Scripture, has a much better plan. You see, what Paul pitches us is the kind of contentment that transcends circumstance. It's the kind of contentment that holds up when your boyfriend dumps you a week before the prom. You already got the dress with all the sequins in it. This kind of contentment stands up and stays when you're in the doctor's office and he's giving you some bad news. That stuff stings, but that contentment transcends that space. This kind of contentment can withstand financial ruin. This kind of contentment can can see you through very difficult and dark days. It's a contentment that transcends circumstances and context is a great teacher in life. And Paul writes the key to experiencing contentment in Philippians chapter four, verse 10 through 19, which I'm gonna read for you in a second. And he's writing this from prison. Talk about a place to learn about contentment from. He's in prison, his life hangs in the balance, literally a 50-50 coin flip. There's like two opportunities for verdict, for the verdict here. One is death, and the other is freedom. Like, that's it. There's no like, oh, you're gonna do three months of community service in this plan. It's like one or the other, life or death, flip a coin, 50-50 chance, sitting in prison, writing about what it means to be content. If you want to follow along, I'm going to read a little bit, and you can pop open your phone or listen in or steal a Bible from us later if you want. All that is good. But in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord at last. You renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He's writing this letter to a church of people he loves and has invested in, has built relationships with. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Can we just say right now, like if I'm in jail, I'm probably not writing you a letter and it's definitely not about how to be content. <laughs> whatever, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. It goes on, it's this beautiful list. I know what it is to have, to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's not a weight room quote verse. I know we see it in a lot of weight rooms. This isn't about benching 300 pounds. This is about living above your circumstances. I can 
live above my circumstances, I can have contentment no matter what happens in life, that thing, that person, that doctor, that, that friend, that backstabber, that betrayer, that boy, can't steal my peace, my satisfaction, my sense of well-being, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He goes on, he says, yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in those early days of your acquaintance with the gospel when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except only you for even when I was in Thessalonica you sent me aid more than once when I was in need not that I desire your gifts what I desire is more to be credited to your account I've received full payment and have more than enough I am amply supplied you see what Paul was saying was something that was from prison was something like so good and so needed in life, I need contentment that transcends my bad days. I need contentment that transcends those months where I can't see how I'm even gonna make it through. I need, I'm not saying I have it all the time. I'm saying I need it desperately. And here, Paul from prison says I've been through some stuff maybe you're thinking I've been you've been through some stuff you've been through some stuff you know like Paul what it is to like have nothing and to have something you know what it is to like be betrayed and then to have somebody be faithful you know what it's like to have a friend stab you in the back and you know what it's like to have a friend show up for you in a moment you need it most you know what it's like to fail epically and you know what it's like to succeed. Like Paul, we run down the list of life. Like I know what it's like to be lonely. I know what it's like to be with people and feel loved. I know what it's like to be lost and confused. I know what it's like to have clarity in the direction of my life. No matter what's on your list, no matter what you have known in life, contentment is still something that God has for you to experience through him. The secret, I can. It's not I can't. It's I can, but not through myself. Not through being more self-disciplined. Not through being a better me. Not through being more motivated. Eating oatmeal instead of Krispy Kremes. Not, not by anything I can do. Through him who gives me what I need. There's that beautiful thing. Don't miss it. Jesus was his source. That's who he went to to find what he needed to rise above his circumstances. If you are trying to rise above your circumstances on your own, you will fail. Maybe not right away, but eventually. You will run out of strength. That's why the beauty of this way that God operates with us and designed us to operate is so special. 
in 2 Corinthians, Paul was talking about it. He said, I asked God to take it away. He said the prayer we all say, take it away, God. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want this health problem. I don't need this person anymore. I don't want this drama. Just take it away. Paul found that as he prayed for the thorn in his side to be taken away, God left it there, and he learned and wrote in that passage that, that I, his grace was sufficient for me. And then this part, like, for his strength... Or power is made perfect in my weakness. So you don't got to hide your weaknesses or run from your insecurities. You don't have to like, try to be strong, not let it bother you. Be tough enough to deal with it. You don't have to pull yourself up by your book. Stop hiding Because it's in those places where we learn to be vulnerable and transparent and open about our weaknesses and our insecurities. It's in those spaces that his power is perfected in your life. You don't got to hide anymore. Set a new default. Rise above your circumstances by having Christ be your source, by learning to depend it on him. Now, Paul had to learn it. He said, I've learned. And I'm sure he learned through some pretty tough stuff on some pretty dark days. He probably learned when he had plenty and was doing pretty good too. He learned it. You don't have, you're not gonna be there right away it's not something you just jump to and then all of a sudden, like, I heard a good sermon on contentment. The preacher dressed weird, but he had, like, all this crazy chalkboard up and nobody could really read it, but we kind of got what he's saying and uh, he made a mess, but I, I heard a sermon. I'm going to be content now. That's not how it works. Man, it's something you learn. Paul had to learn it. Here's five quick tips, and I will post this on my, if you want to write it down, write it down. If not, I'll post it on Instagram. You can check it out there later or probably on Facebook too, not, not trying to like pump up social media because most of the time that's what steals my contentment, but I have no other, I'm not gonna email all of you. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna text. It's the only place I can put it. Deal. Here's five things real quick. Number one, believe the best in others. It's really hard to do. It's really hard to do when you feel like maybe a teacher's not treating you fairly. It's really hard to do when a friend says something passive aggressive and posts it and you're not sure if it's about you or not. It's really hard to do when you look at other people and they say things and you hear things and you don't wanna believe the best. Most of the time we go and we believe the worst. But Paul says in the beginning of this passage, verse 10, you you just didn't have the opportunity to help me. He assumes that they always wanted to help. They just didn't have the opportunity, and as soon as they could, they did. See, he assumes the best in others. And I love that part of it, because I struggle with that. You want to start practicing contentment. Start by assuming the best in others, instead of anticipating the worst. Just that one thing will transform your marriage, your relationship. 
Instead of going home and assuming it was a dig at you and then growing in resentment, when you assume the best in somebody, you are assuming that they're on the same team and on the same side and whatever they said, even if they said it wrong, is for the benefit of the team. You don't grow in resentment. You grow closer together. Number two, you gotta, you gotta stop trying to seek contentment through broken things. And you have to make the new default of your life, I can because Jesus. He has to be your source. In verse 13, it's just loud and clear. There was no credit shared with anybody else. There's no teacher that gets a shot out. He doesn't pat himself on the back. There was nothing he thought he couldn't do because of Jesus, his source. Stop looking for the source of your contentment and rising above your circumstances and broken things and broken people. Number three, he practices gratitude. It's in verse 15 and 16, and we don't have time to read it. He practices gratitude. Even in prison, even in this bad situation, even with the coin flip looming, not knowing what tomorrow would bring, he finds something to say thanks about. I know you got some jacked up situations. You have some relationships that maybe are falling apart at the seams. You could probably put a list together of all the garbage you have to deal with in life that could fill a book. I'm not trying to minimize that stuff. What I am saying is that no matter how bad it looks, there's always, I haven't always seen it in the moment, but looking back, I see it. There's something to be grateful for. I've been through some terrible stuff. I'm grateful I wasn't walking through it alone. I walked through it with my brothers. I've had some very dark and bleak and struggling through depression and anxiety, I can be grateful that I had people to share that weight with. Like I know it's tough. Find some things to practice gratitude about. You'll find contentment, believing the best in other people, seeking a new source in Christ, practicing gratitude. He checks his desires and loves for people. He says, I don't need more from you. What I want is for you to be blessed. He checks his own desires and keeps them in check and he's constantly looking at how he can show love to others. And then the fifth thing is keep receiving from God. You, you can't cut off the source and expect to experience the blessing. Keep seeking more from him. I'm so glad that contentment isn't something that has to be driven by my circumstances. Instead, it's something that I can experience that transcends my circumstances. And I'm learning, just like you're learning. I'm learning i got to learn contentment. And more often than not, I'm learning it the hard way. But as I keep on letting Christ be my source and switching my default from I can't to I can because of him, he will, he will give me my strength as I keep embracing my own weakness, I'm finding more and more and more God keeps rising me above my circumstances and allowing me to experience this incredible gift of what it means to taste real contentment. That's my prayer for you too. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for 
I just help us to stop chasing the wind and treating life like it's some sort of math equation. I'm guilty. I do it all the time. Contentment isn't a thing that we get. It's not a sum or difference. It's a place, a state that you have for our hearts and our souls that is only experienced as we learn to depend on and rely and have you as our source. So thankful that you have that for us and that we can learn to experience it through our relationship with you. We're so thankful for the cross. We're so thankful for the empty tomb. It's in Jesus' name. We just say thanks and amen.